hold hands and close your eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to the Ghost Story Pass. Welcome to the Ghost Story, guys. I'm Brennan Storr. I'm Ian Gibbs. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thank you for tuning in. This is episode number 38, and we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about but can never quite reach. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing great, Brennan. How are you? I'm good, but you need a shave. No, I am growing a beard. Like a Chia pet? Once just <laughs> just get one of those nice Russian ladies. No, I, it's a beautiful. It's going to be oh, a beautiful, face. full, I, lush silver beard. I understand. I yeah. understand. Don't be jealous. No, well, yeah, I cannot. I can't grow a beard. Really? Nope. Why? I don't. But you're Italian. I know. Oh, I'm only half Italian. I'm half French. Oh, yeah. The French are such a hairless people. I know. <laughs> so, how have you been? What have you been up to? Uh, well, growing a beard. Yeah, of a large amount of my time working away doing the ghost walks. I'm doing a lot of ghost walks July and August. So, and what about you? What's going on? Got You've the, had family here. I've had family in yeah. town. So the in-laws are here. So uh, weekend before last, we took them over to Vancouver. They'd never. Uh, my mother-in-law had been, but the aunt and uncle who were also here had never been. Oh, what did they think of Vancouver? <laughs> oh, they loved it. Yeah, yeah, they had a great time. Um, and really, I love spending time in Vancouver because once I was done family obligations, I could then go and do whatever the hell. And right. so, uh, mind you, that backfired on me one night. In what way? Well, the first night I was there, Saturday, I showed everyone around, and then after dinner, I, I took everyone out for dinner, and then afterwards, I, I did a walking tour, and once that was done, I literally hopped a midnight train going anywhere. Oh, wow. I just got on the Sky Train cool. and went. The downside to this is that once the train hit the terminus, I got off, hopped the train going the other direction. Right, to head back. Something happened at the new Westminster station. I don't know what, Uh-oh. but the police pulled everyone off the train. There was police tape everywhere. And now it's one in the morning. And New Westminster is at least a good hour's drive. I'm going to guess a jumper. That's what I'm thinking too. Because someone else I know has been pulled off that train at that station for that reason. Oh, wow. And the circumstances were very similar. Yeah. So now I know Vancouver, but not well enough to um, navigate without a SkyTrain or a bus from New Westminster at one in the morning. So I asked the cop, how the hell do I get back to the city? And he says, well, take the night bus downstairs. So I'm walking through an empty shopping mall at one in the morning, trying to find the bus station, or the bus, the bus terminal. Finally right. get down there. Right. Uh, 77 stops. Oh my God. How long did that take? Uh, an hour and a bit. <gasps> now I had to be up the next morning to drive everyone to Whistler. So <laughs> it was about three in the morning by the time I finally oh got back to the hotel. God. Poor choices, Brennan. Oh man. Well, it should have been a good time, but uh, fate kicked me in the ass. The next night was Sunday. And that night, I actually got to do something really cool, and that is uh, I got to see, of course, we had um, King Dude was our guest on episode 32, right, yeah. our musical guest. He let us use his song, Silver Crucifix. Right. And uh, he did a very small show in East Vancouver for literally 12, three bands, 12 bucks. Oh, wow. Cash, cool. cash at the door. And the room it took place in was literally not much bigger than the room we're, we're recording this in. Wow. So it's a tiny room. So to see an artist, uh, actually three very talented artists. Yeah. For in the room like that was very cool. Very cool. I will say, though, the problem with small rooms like that, they sort of lend a false degree of intimacy right. to what is happening or a, a, an unusual degree of intimacy. Right. So, you know, he's up there on stage. It was just him, you know, obviously no band uh, playing the guitar. And the audience is inches away. Right. Standing. And some of them are drunk. 
Yes. So they feel very comfortable just yes. talking to the I know. And, and he was, you know, of course, yeah, you've, you're traveling, or you've been a touring musician, you understand. Yeah. Uh, and so he dealt with it very well. But uh, there was a couple times where he attempted songs which he doesn't play live very often. Because yeah. it, was, it was very loose set. Yeah. And uh, he, you know, it was very, very good about it, but, uh, you know, made a couple mistakes. And then people started sort of riffing on it and saying, oh, this, I thought this was your job, man. And just little shit. Wow. And again, handled it well. Yeah. But I thought I could not do that. I'd want to swing that fucking guitar and clock every last one of them in the head. It's like when you do a ghost story, if you have a group of like three or less. Oh, right. They see it as more interactive. Of like, course. Oh, it's a conversation. No, it's not. Yep. Because um, when you tell them the stories, you get on a roll. Of course. And you have your sort of way markers to get you to the next yep. point. And if someone interrupts you or asks a question, it's like, uh, where was I again? Yo, so, no, absolutely. Yeah. I had one lady repeatedly ask me questions, and I finally said, you know what would be awesome? Ask me the questions as we move from place to place. Right. Don't do it in the middle of the story. I'm totally cool with questions. I need to get the story out. She's like, okay. Yeah. I will say being interrupted while telling a story is I, – I consider that the height of rudeness. Yeah, it's frustrating. It, I just don't understand – and I know some people are like that. They just – whatever pops thought into their head, pops into say. their damn that fool heads. That explains 90% of our show. Well, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't interrupt each other. No. And that's and, – because I'd kill you. I know. And I'd expect you to do the same to me. Yeah. Well, so. we have heavy bases on these mics. So. That's right. There really would be, you know – the weapon is very much at hand. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. That's amazing. Oh, I thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to take back any of the things I've said about you, but I'm thinking very hard about them. Do. Yeah, fair. do. Just fair warning. So, uh, moving on, this episode is, uh, this is a Luke special. Luke has been wanting us to do this for a long time. Yes. And this episode is about black dogs. I, I knew a black dog once you lived next door. Not that kind of black dogs. Well, that's the only black dogs I know about. <laughs> <laughs> These, of course, are the Black Dogs of Legend. We'll talk a little bit more about it in the B segment. But I'm excited. Luke has done a lot of work on this one. I don't think we're going to be able to use half the lore he found. No way. But I know a lot more about this stuff now than I did when we started. So coming up after the break, a little bit of folklore and some first-person accounts of encounters with the Black Dogs of Legend. Welcome back. So as I said before the break, on this episode, we're going to be talking about demon dogs or black dogs. And you know nothing about this. Um, no, I don't know anything about black dogs, unfortunately. Uh, essentially, they're phantom animals who are, again, have been seen in England for going back hundreds of years. Wow, okay. Uh, but it seems like in recent years, those sightings are starting to spread. Wow. And so again, the phantom dogs often way larger than any dog could really be. Right. Sometimes seen to have red eyes. Ancient legend has it that they're depending on uh, depending on your your mood. Basically, they're a yeah. harbinger of doom, oh, okay. or they're a harbinger of good things. Really? And, yeah. And and as we're going to see in some of the stories we have today, there are stories from either end of the spectrum. You know, there's stories about well, I saw the dog, and then my sister got cancer. Right. Right. Or or you know, I saw the dog, and there's actually a really affecting story from L.A., uh, which I think we're going to finish with, of a woman who was in a really bad situation, and a black dog showed up out of nowhere 
and protected her. Oh, wow. So, a, again, a real range. But there is a website Luke found, and it's it's really fascinating. I'm going to link it in the show notes. It's called Invisible Works. Okay. And this guy has gone and mapped all these black dog encounters across, uh, at least uh, from what I've seen, across Europe. Right. But the, the map, if you look at the map on the website, you'll be able to see it once you click over. Um, it is thickly spotted with these sighting with dots denoting sightings, mm-hmm. and they are. It, it's most. It's it's clustered in England, especially on the east coast. The east coast, yeah, yeah. and in wow. the sort of the Midlands. Huh. Uh, but as you can also look. It fans out into mainland Europe, yeah. Netherlands, Germany, as we'll see in the stories. There are some accounts popping up in America. Okay, really, you wonder if again if if these things are truly regional. Or are the people emigrating and are, bringing yeah, the are, stories with them? That's it. And I, I know there's some debate in paranormal circles about whether or not we're seeing more and more of these things. And I tend to think it's just that we are able to pool these sightings more. I don't know. How right. do you feel about that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, in, in an age of something happens in India and we see it within an hour, I mean, you're going to get that. And if there's a central clearinghouse for things like this, sort of like Reddit, yep, <laughs> right? yep, yep. where people are sharing experiences, it's going to be more, yeah, it's going to seem like there's more of them happening when really it could just be we're more aware of them. One of the problems I have with the this idea that there's more of them is I feel like people are kind of, they're leading this towards some kind of apocalyptic scenario. It oh, always goes that direction. Right. There's more of them because something is well, happening. Well, like the clowns, remember? A couple oh, years God, ago with the, the clowns. clowns. Yeah, Jesus. I know. Someone else, I saw that on Twitter, actually. Someone said, do you remember a year ago when clowns were... The thing is, the clowns mostly did fuck all. Yeah. It was just idiots dressed as clowns. Yeah. Trying to scare people. Yeah. Well, That's it worked. Not, well, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> I think we talked about this before. As Lon Chaney said, there are a few things so frightening as a clown after midnight. <laughs> yep. You know? But uh, it's... It was just people dressed up. The media really sensationalized Oh, that. big time. What? The media? Oh, I know. I don't like them. Oh, God. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, with um, I don't. I just feel like when people say all these things are increasing, I, I tend to view that with skepticism because I tend to feel they're, the, the next thing is going to be, well, you know what's coming. Right. You know? Right. And, right. and people have such a narrow window on all this stuff. Oh, absolutely. You know, in, terms of, in terms of their... Interpretation and their interpretation. process. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, th- this is why we have all these goddamn doomsday cults, right? Yeah. Because everyone thinks about society and, and, and in sort of the in the light of their place in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, oh, well, this is the most important generation because I'm in it. Right. No, man. You're just walking dust like yeah. the rest of us. <laughs> you're just part you, of the chain. Yep. You are. If you, if you check yeah. on the back of your birth certificate, it says, just another asshole. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Right up there with the amount of money you're worth, according to the Freeman or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's nonsense. And I do think there's maybe something to the idea of collective belief. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about this a little bit way back on episode one, uh, Slenderman, mm-hmm. which was 18 months ago. I know. Crazy. But we talked about the idea that these things can, to a certain degree, be fueled by belief. And, and certainly we're not the first people to talk about this. Right. To suggest that. But I do kind of think, you know, more, ever more people talking about this shit. And I don't think, I was listening to the most recent uh, last podcast on the left, they're talking about men in black. Right. And they were, of course, one of the popular men in black theories is that they're tulpas. You believe them into being. Right. And I think that's a bullshit theory because if you could believe something into being, there'd be a whole lot of goddamn sparkly vampires (laughs) running around. But I I wonder if it is possible for someone to, if something exists already. Right. And if if your belief is kind of like a food, yeah. like fuel to that, and that makes it stronger. Yeah. Have you ever read uh, Neil Gaiman's American Gods? I have not. 
Okay, well, you should check it out. It's a okay. really fun book. Um, and uh, it, he sort of toys with that idea that America is difficult soil for gods. Mm. And so the book follows a number of down-on-their-luck gods from the old world right. who are surviving in America on scraps of belief. Wow, on the I back. love that idea. It's a great book. Yeah. Uh, I think Stars did a limited series as well with, uh, what's his name, Ian McShane. Oh, yeah, yeah, as yeah. one of the lead characters. It's yeah. a very, very good series. That's cool. I like that idea. The concepts are kind of brilliant. Yeah. I mean, maybe we, we've got to do a mini episode coming up. Maybe we'll watch some episodes of that and talk that about it. That would be cool. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, let's dive right into the stories here. Sounds good. Because black dogs are so closely identified with English lore, we're going to start on the Isle of Man with uh, two different legends. This one is called The Myth of the Mahdi Doo. In the days when Charles II was king in England and Charles, Earl of Derby, was king in Man, Peel Castle was always garrisoned by soldiers. The guardroom was just inside the great entrance of the castle, and a passage used to lead from it through one of the old churches to the captain of the guard's room. At the end of the day, one of the soldiers would lock the castle gates and carry the key through the dark passage to the captain. The soldiers used to take turns to do this. About this time, a big black dog with rough curly hair was seen sometimes in one room, next time in a different room. He did not belong to anyone there, and apparently no one knew anything about him. But every night, when the candles were lit in the guardroom and the fire was burning bright, he would come down the dark passage and lay himself down by the hearth. He made no sound, but he lay there until the break of day, when he would then get up and disappear into the passage. The soldiers were at first terrified of him, but after some time they were used to the sight of him and lost some of their fear. Though they still looked upon him as something more than mortal. Whilst he was in the room, the men were quiet and sober, and no bad words were spoken. When the hour came to carry the key to the captain, two of them would always go together. No man would face the dark passage alone. One night, however, one foolish fellow had drunk more than was good for him, and he began to brag and boast that he was not afraid of the dog. It was not his turn to take the keys, but to show how brave he was, he said that he would take them alone. He dared the dog to follow him. Let him come, he shouted, laughing. I'll see whether he be dog or devil. This isn't going to go well. No, it's not going to go well. It's like standing in the middle of the haunted room going, come and get me. (laughs) His friends were terrified and tried to hold him back, but he snatched up the keys and went out into the passage. The black dog slowly got up from before the fire and followed him. There was a deathly silence in the guardroom. No sound was heard but the dashing of the waves on the steep rocks of the castle islet. After a few minutes, there came from the dark passage the most unearthly screams and howls, but not a soldier dared to move to see what was going on. They looked at each other in horror. Presently, they heard steps, and the rash fellow came back into the room. His face was ghastly pale and twisted with fear. He spoke not a word then or afterwards. In three days, he was dead, and nobody knew what had happened to him that fearful night. The black dog has never been seen again. Well, that serves you right. Pretty much. stupid bastard. Is it a dog or a devil? Come after me, bitch. We'll fight. Because what happens if it's the devil? Either way, even if it's just a big black dog, you're still fucked. Well, yeah, that's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, I, remember, I, that's, uh, I always go for the arm. I always, that always scares me when I see that in movies. You know, the dog goes for the arm. Yeah. Because I just think, what the hell do you do? Do you punch it in the nose a bunch? No, I mean, it's not going to help. No? No. Go for the eyes? No, I don't think that's going to help either. Yeah. So no. I, I guess the answer is just don't get bitten by a dog. Don't put yourself in a position to get bitten by a dog. Exactly. I, I was once attacked by a dog when I was a little kid. I was uh, going out for a walk with my mom, I think. And I, I was quite small. Yeah. Maybe four or five, maybe five or six. 
And we walked past this house. This guy was sitting out front with, actually, it was it was a black dog. And uh, <laughs> might have been Zoodles or whatever your dog's name was. Blackie, that's a black. Zoodles. I don't know. It's a good name for a dog, though. Yeah. I like I it. I only half listen when you talk. <laughs> I'm used to that. Yeah, fair. But um, this dog just all of a sudden came after me. And took, I, I don't know how, I got lucky. It, it took a chomp out of my side, but it only got really part of my shirt and part of my pants. Oh, wow. And I got scratched a bit. But this thing just came after me. Okay, so here's a weird story. Okay, fire away. Uh, we were visiting England. Right. The family were going to a pub. And a dog shot out from underneath one of the tables in the pub. Shouldn't have been in there anyway. And he went past my mom, past my brother, and he bit me. Right in the back of the leg. Really? And they pulled him off, and I had to go to the hospital, had to get tetanus shot, had to get all the other shots. And it turned out the dog had not had his shots, so there was some concern. Oh, Jesus. But after that, I was absolutely terrified of dogs. Yeah, I was scared of dogs for a long time, too. Yeah, and my uncle had a dog, but it was just outside of Calgary, um, named Sarah, who would attack me every chance she got. Like, literally would go for my throat. Really? Yeah. So, whenever we would go and visit them, because they lived on a rural property. they don't property. even do a podcast with you. <laughs> um, so, I would literally have to wait for someone to come and get me to take me into the house away wow. from Sarah. Yeah. And she just hated me. Bizarre. It was so bizarre. Probably she could sense my fear. Right, that um, makes sense. And that's why she went for me. So when I was in grade five, my parents got me a dog, and then I was okay. Oh, okay. But yeah, dogs and me, no. We did not start out as friends. Well, I, I sort of fell into that thing where, because generally I get along with, with most animals. Oh, I do too. Except for donkeys. I do Fuck now. Donkeys. For sure. donkeys. Donkey bit my hand once, son of a bitch. Horses can be quite cruel. Yeah, well, this donkey was an asshole. <laughs> but anyways, um, but no, I get along well with animals, and I sort of fall into that trap of, well, the dog must like, pardon me, the dog likes you, so you must be a good person. Cause, right. Well, the other day, I was out for a walk, and uh, I left the apartment, kind of walked onto the main sidewalk. And all of a sudden, there's this little dog there with a woman walking it. Right. And this thing sort of sniffs me. And usually, dogs will sniff me, maybe lick me. This one just starts barking. And I thought, oh, shit, what'd I do? Is the dog somehow judging my character? <laughs> no, the dog's just an asshole. <laughs> uh, so this is another Isle of Man story. This one comes from the book A Third Manx Scrapbook by W.W. Gill, published wow. in 1963. Great name. I think so. <laughs> This neighborhood, at the southern limit of Mongold Parish, was haunted by a particularly large and terrifying specimen. Sometimes it was seen coursing an invisible quarry over the edge of the cliff, sometimes merely lurking by the roadside. Once, when Cooley of the Boily Moor was a boy over 80 years ago, he was driving home from Ramsey with his father, and they met this Mahdi Dew. The horse shied violently, throwing them both out of the trap or cart, and bolted for home. As they were picking themselves up, they saw the dog in the act of jumping over the cliff edge, apparently into space. Thus far, one authority. Hmm. Another, at the opposite end of the parish, has told me quite independently of the foregoing affair how an extremely evil spirit was laid at... Oh, I shouldn't have taken this one. <laughs> Dream Ejeskig. I'm sure I'm getting that wrong. That's all right. We don't know. No. Which I suspect to be the one just mentioned. At any rate, it was such a violent and obstinate demon that they had to call in Ewan Christian, generally known as Christian Lewegg, himself, for no one else could do any good, though many had tried. The first time he addressed it, it told him to come again on a certain night alone. He went the second time as requested, and after that it was seen and heard no more. But what passed between the two of them, he would never tell. He was never the same man again after this affair. What does that mean? Like he only wore skirts, or? <laughs> uh, I, I think it took something from him. 
Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it fucked him. I don't know. <laughs> I, I doubt it. But I was not thinking that. Oh, no. no me, me either. No. That actually reminds me of a Bigfoot story from outside Revelstoke. Oh. Uh, someone, a couple of people in a car saw this huge Bigfoot looking thing uh, walk across the highway, literally stop traffic. And then it just walked over the edge of the cliff. And wow. they looked down. And there was nothing. They pulled over, looked down, nothing. It was a long way down to the sheer cliff face. Hmm. And I mean, they, their assumption was that, because they're idiots, uh, that he must have sort of swung into like a cave network or something because right. he's fucking Batman. <laughs> but I think it more goes to suggest that there is sort of an ephemeral nature to these things. Right. You know, right. there's at least like another dimension kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. Actually, the, the extremely evil spirit thing too reminds me. I had this awful dream the other night. Oh no. Uh, of course, it was the night. One of the nights I was alone. You know, of course, Nick was yeah. up uh, up island with yeah. the family. I dreamed that I was helping a guy buy a house and it was haunted and I knew it was haunted, but he was so busy. He didn't care. He decided I need to buy a house. This'll do. I'm not going to be here for very long anyways. Right. And we were in there with this real estate agent. She was a short kind of hefty gal. The house was very dated, a lot of 80s stuff. And as we were walking upstairs, it was sort of like a split level. The real estate agent went ahead of us up the stairs. And again, I knew it was haunted. But I thought, well, maybe the thing won't mind us being there. And from the farthest room, I heard the most horrible voice I think I've ever heard in a dream scream, get out. It sounded like an old woman mixed with an animal. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, Just this barely recognizable howl. Yeah. Screamed, get out. And something flew out of the bedroom, came around the corner. And even in the dream, it was almost like I couldn't properly make sense of it. Right. But it crashed into the realtor. And that's when I woke up. Holy cow. But the sound of that voice, it was again, it was like a like a feral cat and a person and something else all rolled into one. It has stayed with me. Not days good. later. It still Not good. gives me chills just saying it. And you say that while I'm looking for a condo. Yeah, so uh, let's go. Thanks for that. <laughs> Situational. Yikes. Well, don't buy any split-level condos. Okay, I won't. I've seen a couple, actually, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, so there we I go. Avoid them now. So this is an encounter. We farmed a couple encounters from that website I mentioned. Right. And I didn't want. I didn't take too many, but and you should definitely check it out, but we do have two here that we're going to share with you. Jack Bradford was a gardener who lived at Heath Farm, which is the other side of the Gog Magog Hills, also bordering the Wandleberry Estate and the golf course. He'd been visiting his young lady with whom he had been walking out with for some time. Her name was May, and she lived with her parents in a farm cottage on the farm, which backs onto the Wandleberry Estate, which then belonged to Lord Grey. She worked as a housemaid in the mansion, now unfortunately mostly depleted, but part of which still stands at the heart of the Wandleberry Ring. Unfortunately, on the night in question, his bicycle had got a puncture when he came to go home after saying goodnight to his sweetheart. It was a dark and windy night, and he walked up the hill pushing his bike, his path illuminated by a flickering acetylene lamp. Suddenly, he heard a strange unearthly panting sound coming up behind him along the grass verge at the side of the road. He'd lived on a farm all his life, so he had no fear of any normal animals, however big. The sound and presence of this beast was, however, different and he felt a strange chill of fear sweep over him. The great black dog, for this is what it was, brushed past him, almost knocking him aside, though not quite touching him. It was loping along at a great speed, its tongue hanging from the side of its mouth and making a fearful panting sound. It was the sheer size of the beast that struck him, and what stuck in his mind years afterwards as he related the tale to me. 
It was, he swore, the size of a small donkey, and in his words, black as sin, shaggy and gruesome looking. He was badly frightened and had to stop for a while leaning on his bike to compose himself before hurrying back home. After telling his father the story, he was told that he'd probably seen old black shuck, who often runs over the gogs of a dark winter's night. And yeah, Black Shuck is another name okay. for the black dog. There are so many different names. I mean, I found a book which is just Guatemalan stories of the black dog. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and I, I'd love to do an episode just on that if we can. But I think now they call it the Cadejo. So do you speak a lot of Guatemalan? It's, it's, it's Spanish. It's the same language as Swiss. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. I think the heat in this place is baking your brain. <laughs> We paused so we could get some air exchange so you'd actually yeah. function because you were like a robot overheating, just brrr, kind of powering what? down. Who says I'm a robot? <laughs> yeah, who told you? <laughs> who says that? This one is from Cambridge. In 1978, I was driving along the Cherry Hinton Road out of Cambridge in broad daylight around 10 a.m. in the morning when the bus in front of me stopped at some traffic lights and a young man leapt off and started attacking my car. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. Fortunately, for once, all the car doors were locked, and he had to make do with simply rocking it and pulling at the door handles. Eventually, the lights changed, and the bus moved off, allowing me to do the same. On reaching my home, I telephoned the police, and they quickly rounded the lad up. His explanation for the incident was that on getting on the bus, pardon me, that on getting off the bus, he had seen a big black dog sitting in the back of my car and had felt the need to kill it, or at least get me out. Oh, my God. Yeah. He was, of course, under the influence of drugs, but I wonder what made him think he saw the dog. I didn't own one at the time, nor did I have any intentions of owning one. However, come that Christmas, my husband bought me a black Labrador's protection. The lad received one month's sentence, I believe, just time to dry him out. I changed... Boy, I hope he doesn't have any lingering psychological issues. Jesus. (laughs) I changed my car as an added precaution in case he struck again, but I have neither seen nor heard of him since. Having been born and bred in West Suffolk, I am, of course, familiar with stories of black shuck. There you go. I wonder if that's why the homeless guy punched my car that time. He thought you had a black dog in there. Maybe. (laughs) That was terrifying. Yeah, it's a little unnerving when someone attacks your car. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Halloween 2015, I I had just come back from two weeks in Los Angeles where no one bothered me. Which is weird. I mean, I was almost present at three shootings, but they weren't targeted at me. (laughs) For once. For once, yeah, for a change. No one's trying to kill you. Yeah. Yeah. That was good to take a vacation. Yeah. (laughs) I'm back in Victoria, I don't know. Five days, I'm driving around on Halloween, sitting at a red light on a reasonably quiet side street, when out of nowhere, I hear this enormous bang right next to me. I jumped a mile, turned to look, and there is a wild-eyed young man with a sleeping bag around his shoulders, standing there, and I realize, and his eyes are red, and I realize he has hit my car. Wow. And I, my immediate response or thought was to get out of the car and say, what the fuck is your problem? No. But yes, that's it. Because I, his eyes were, uh, I am high on something that's probably deadening my response to pain crazy. Yeah. And makes me incredibly strong. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I thought, nope, no, nope, I'm just going to sit in this car because I will do something stupid. Yeah. And uh, I drove off and turn, I turned a corner and then kids were firing uh, bottle rockets across the road. Perfect. And I thought, I'm going home. Yeah. Fuck this. I'm going home. The, the Halloween is for idiots. I'm going home. <laughs> yep. But I got home, and there was a like a four-inch dent he had punched in my car Holy door. Holy cow. It was, I think it was too high to be a kick. I think he punched it. Uh, and apparently, I know someone on Twitter, pardon me, I, I follow someone on Twitter whose husband is an EMT. And they told me that later that night, I think it's the same kid, actually put his fist through someone's window. Oh. So I got lucky. You got lucky. Yeah. I got lucky. That's scary. Oh. Uh, f- a little funny story. 
I went to go look at having the dent repaired. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, I like my car. Yeah. But it was going to be a huge amount of money because they were going to have to pull out the dent and then the paint had bubbled. Oh, So they're going to have to heat, you know, sort of yeah. heat treat the paint. And it was something like 1200 bucks. What? Yeah, that's what I said. No. So uh, anyways, I, I thought, well, hobo dent it is. And then <laughs> one day I was, I was out driving and uh, I realized I'd forgotten my wallet at home. And I was mad. Because I, you know, getting out of James Bay sometimes is a pain in the ass, yep. as we were discussing earlier. Yep. So I, I drove back home and I'm, 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 you know, muttering and angry. Get out of my car, slam the door hard, and I hear pop, and I look and the dent popped out. <laughs> <laughs> so your rage reversed the rage of yep. the street person. And so you should fight fire with fire, and two wrongs make a right. That's, Brilliant! Yep. I'm glad you learned that lesson. Nothing could possibly go wrong with that <laughs> with that wisdom. Nope. No. So yeah, wisdom there. Uh, hobo man punches your car, don't get out. And um, slam the door hard. Hit things hard to fix them. In anger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, maybe don't do that part. N- no, maybe that's <laughs> bad advice. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that's bad I'm thinking advice. That's bad advice. <laughs> All right, so this is another story from England. I was walking back from a friend's house near the church in Hardley, South Norfolk. It was midsummer and the sun was up at about half past four in the morning. The grain fields were fairly tall, growing on each side of the road, Church Lane. And as I was enjoying the early morning walk in the bright sunshine, walking along, I was stopped by a large, charcoal gray dog with matted and shaggy hair, which ran from one field to the other, across the road, and disappeared into the barley. I tried to spot the dog running through the barley, but it seemed then to disappear. There was no one else around, and as I warily walked on after regaining my courage, as the sight was quite frightening. The dog was the size of a large Rottweiler but longer and with a longer face. It was running very quickly, and I did not get a look at any of the features, really. I have told a few people about this dog and have been laughed at, told it was only a ghost story. I know what I saw, though. I know that seeing a dog like this to be a bad omen, although nothing bad happened to me. Within a year, my younger sister was being treated for cancer. She's made a full recovery now, but I thought the point interesting enough to mention. I don't think the two things are connected. No, I don't uh, either. You know, I mean, that's that's reaching. Because the, the dog just kind of comes in a general timeline. Like, his schedule is so far booked. It's like, oh, shit. Oh, I got to fit this in. <laughs> oh, look, I'm going to come early, but you're going to get cancer next year. I'm okay? thinking if you see the dog and you go home and the roof falls off your house, then you have something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. But realistically, come I got on. the shits eight months later. You know, yeah, I, that's no, I don't no. think so. Yeah, I can't find a parking spot at the mall. Damn you, black dog. <laughs> woof, 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 woof. <laughs> <laughs> he licks his balls and leaves. <laughs> and moves on to wreak havoc somewhere else. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I cut my finger on this can. Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> <laughs> he and Steve the Cheese Demon are teaming That's up right. to they drop off to cheese platters and mayhem wherever they, they go. Belong to the same union. They, yes, they carpool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm just in the village next door. Oh, we should totally travel together. That's right. Stop eating the damn cheese. Woof, 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 woof. <laughs> Perfect. Oh boy. All right, so we have now uh, two accounts of phantom dogs in the house. I believe these might be American, but they wasn't really clear. Okay. When I was about nine years old, we lived in an apartment. We had a spare room that had no windows and was always dark, even with the lights on. We used to keep all of our toys in there, in a bed, (laughs) but it wasn't our bedroom, it was our toy room. One day, we decided to stay the night in there in the bed. In the middle of the night, it was pushed. It was moved so hard, my body went all the way to the edge and my head hung off the side. 
I felt and heard a hot breath on my neck, like a dog panting. I got scared and looked to the side, and on the dark wall saw an even darker shadow of a person and a black dog with a red eye. It went all the way to the edge of the wall and out the room door. I kicked my sister to see if she was awake, to see if she had felt everything. And she was scared, but she had only felt the bed move. She hadn't seen the shadows. This happened during a time my four-year-old brother was in the hospital in intensive care because he was run over by a truck, and I still wonder if there was a connection. Many bad things happened in that apartment, and my single mom had to have someone come and pray for our home. It helped, I guess, but we moved out, and I've never seen the dog again. I wonder. A story like that, I kind of wonder, you know, if there is trauma involved, because, I mean, when you just see the shadow, I, I don't know, you know, and it's kids, it's, it's, yeah. hard to, it's hard to say. Well, and is it the trauma energy kind of showing up in a different way? Or? Yeah, that's, that's it. Right? But I, yeah. I, I, I also, at the same time, I hate to sort of cast that, exp- or hate to use that explanation for a story, because I feel like then you can start hand-waving all stories away. Of course. With some variation of that. Yeah. You know, something bad happened, therefore you're externalizing your trauma. Yeah. And again, I feel like if that was more common, or if that happened, we'd see it more commonly. Right. You know, we, we'd hear stories about, oh, I saw the giant, because, right. you know, the bad thing happened. Right. You know, you got Pyramid Head from Silent Hill too, just dragging around this huge-ass sword all the time. You don't get that reference, do no. you? Oh, God. I told you, this is going to be our bonus episodes. Ian <laughs> watching movies everyone else has seen. That's right. Or or playing video games. Yeah. Oh, that's not going to go well. I do. I, I lo- would love the idea of a let's play where you and I play through like horror video games and re- record it. I can't tell you how bad I will be at that. Oh, that's fine. It's more the reactions we want. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Drunk in a Graveyard does that. I think uh, it's Rigby. From, oh, okay. She does the Let's Plays. Um, I, I, I haven't watched many of them because I just have a hard time watching people play video games. I've never heard of that. I know you haven't. Welcome to the future, Ian. What's that? Twitch? Yeah, Twitch. Yeah, you He's, watch people play video games? Yeah. There was a, a video I saw recently of a guy on Twitch, and behind him there's two open doors. Right. And as he's playing, like, the lights go on in one, and he says he's home alone. Right. And it unfolds this, and the door's closing and opening, and the lights are going on and off. And he's his reactions appear to be genuine. Right. But it's just so easy to fake. Well, that's You just it. need two friends in those rooms. Yeah. No, I, I, I refuse. So I had to, a hard time with that. I refuse to believe any video I see anymore. I know. It's not sad. It's just nonsense. Yeah. You know, you've got all these idiots who want to go viral. Yeah. Someone actually said that to me the other day. They said, oh, man, I hope this happens and I go viral. And I want it to throw up. This is something to aspire what to. What does viral get you? Uh, well, it used to just be HPV. <laughs> but uh, now apparently it's a whole other thing. <laughs> That's what my friend told me, at least. That's what I heard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So this story, we've called this one Bad Luck Chuck. My friend, let's call him Chuck, recently shared something with me that I'm struggling to understand. Some background. Chuck and I have been friends for roughly 12 to 13 years. And in all that time, I have never seen him upset. Nothing ruffles this guy's feathers. I've seen him post-motorcycle crash laughing and joking. I've seen him after seriously injuring himself on the job, complaining about missing work. I've seen him struggling financially and dealing with terrible breakups. And I've never seen him as upset as when he told me this story. He's a very practical, down-to-earth guy, and not in the least superstitious or gullible. I love the guy like a brother, and I trust him implicitly. Chuck wouldn't share the exact details, but at some point several years ago, he saw a large black dog. He said there was nothing obviously unusual about the dog, except that it was huge. It was accompanied by the most intense feeling of dread and wrongness he'd ever felt. 
The dog didn't approach him or do anything threatening. It appeared just long enough for Chuck to notice it and then disappeared. He put it out of his mind and went on with his life. Some years later, when his whole family happened to be together at Chuck's parents' house, they were all sitting around talking. Side note, Chuck has six to seven siblings. I haven't met all of them, so I can never keep the exact number straight, but there's a lot of them. Someone very tentatively mentioned that they'd seen a strange black dog. Everyone in the room fell silent, and then someone else admitted that they'd seen it too. Eventually, all of Chuck's siblings and his parents confessed to seeing the dog and experiencing the terrible feeling that it had brought. They have all seen it separately, in different places, and at different times. Some of them have seen it more than once, but they described exactly the same dog. According to Chuck, his whole family is terrified of this dog, and after that first night, they never talked about it again. Even just telling me what few details I could get out of him really upset Chuck. I've never seen this guy frightened, and as I said above, I'd trust him with my life. He wouldn't lie about this. The forum that uh, Luke founded, and there was a bit of a discussion underneath it, because the person who posted it wondered if it is possible for a family to be haunted. I believe that. Really? 100%. You You know what? It's even biblical. Really? Yeah. Um, There's a place in the Bible that talks about the sins of the fathers will be visited on the children two to three generations. Really? Um, And as the Bible also mentions karma, which is a basic tenet of any major religion. I didn't realize that. What you reap, you will sow. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I absolutely believe that. Interesting. So you don't think it's necessarily, because I guess when I think of biblical curse, I tend to think of you know, God putting a curse on. No, I don't think that. Uh, but I do think um, people may attract or be, oh, I don't know. I don't want to say assigned, um, but right. but um, attract or, or have some sort of energy that is dogging the family. Right. Um, you know, I have a, they say that addiction is hereditary. Right. And I think there is definitely some sort of spiritual aspect to addiction. Oh, interesting. Um, either someone in immense pain and they're trying to fix that pain. Um, but I also think it could be something that wants you to fail. That's right. going to put that sort of stuff in your way and, and, and set you up to fail. Interesting. So, yeah. I think that's why people who are in sort of support groups in AA, I think that's part of the reason it works because you're not left alone right. with those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions. It's a theory. I mean, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, no, of course. You know. And, and we, we recognize that, um, that there are. That addiction is a complex issue. Oh, God, In yeah. case anyone starts oh, getting their back Oh, please don't up. think I'm... No, 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 no. no, no. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to get into specifics, but addiction runs uh, very deep in my family. Right. And, uh, you know, I, and there are things I definitely recognized in myself as I got older, certain behaviors and thought patterns. Yeah, that absolutely. started to manifest. And absolutely. I really... It was a struggle. You know, one of the reasons I stopped drinking uh, as much. Like, I, I haven't been... Dr- I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's why I say that. There was a period where I didn't drink at all. Right. And now I, I can have a couple beers and that's fine. Yeah. But there was a period where I stopped because I became a different person. Yes. You know, I would, I just, I would say things that I would never ordinarily say. Uh, and Are you a mean drunk? I'm a very funny drunk. Okay. But I'm a very bitchy drunk. Really? And I will say anything. That'd be laugh. hilarious. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, it has its moments. But uh, like I said, I haven't been drunk in... Well, six years. I get super huggy and tell everyone they're my best friend. Oh, God. It's so awkward. I hope I never see a drug. Well, because I don't like hugging people. So no, it's gross. That's why it's such a weird thing for me. Oh, drugs, not hugs. Yeah. <laughs> give me some more vodka. Come over here and give me a squish. Yeah, no. But, uh, not but, good. But no, I think there, that's it's definitely a possibility. There's a book. 
Uh, there's a book, you may, you may even be familiar with it, um, This Present Darkness yes. by Frank Peretti. Yes, I read the whole series. Oh, really? I didn't realize oh there was more than one. Absolutely. Uh, okay. For those of our listeners who don't know, that book uh, deals with the idea that there are demons on people. Right. And that are responsible for things like this. Yes. And it was a brilliant book. I thought it was such a great um, kind of theory right. around certain behaviors and why certain things happen because you do have these sort of demons who are whispering in your ear. Right. Um, yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I read it when I was like 15, 16. I was going to say, I think that's when I read it. Yeah, too, yeah. and uh, it was huge in the Christian community. I, f- I figured you'd, you'd be aware of it. Yeah, uh, this yeah. present darkness and there was another one and there was another one and I read all three of them and then they got weird. I mean, weirder. I was going to say, it started um, weird. Oh, it was weird, but it was good. And it, what made a difference was that it wasn't... So many of the Christian books are so hokey. Right. Um, and this one, I mean, it is what it is. But it, it, I just love the theory behind it. Yeah, for for a, for a Christian book, it yeah. was well-written. Well, it was like The Sixth Sense. Right. That was the first movie I ever saw that I went... That I've experienced. Like, that makes sense to me. Oh, really? The way this kid has experienced this, that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, of, co- of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and the others. Right. That broke ground for me in terms of um, how the two planes exist in the same physical space. Right. But very rarely actually touch each other. Yep. I thought that was brilliant. That's a really good movie. Oh, amazing. Uh, was it Alejandro Menabar directed that? And yeah, that's sort of a classic haunted house film. That's 0304. It's quite an old it's film. It's old, now. but it was brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Those two, I would say, are my absolute most favorite paranormal films. Really? Yeah. Because they are, as I, I hesitate to say this, but they're as close to reality as I have ever seen. Right, of yeah. course. Yeah. Uh, getting back to the stories, uh, this one we will call a secret. I've never told this story to friends, just close family. Once when I was a child, I was in a graveyard with my family. It was a hobby of ours to visit various graveyards and look for relatives there. I remember I was about seven at the time and looking away from the rest of my family. This was a very small graveyard located in an old mansion in Nova Scotia. Now I looked around and saw a large black dog. At the time, I thought it almost looked like Beethoven the dog. Right. But all black. So uh, Beethoven was a St. Bernard, I believe. St. Bernard, yeah. The dog was all black, and if I recall correctly, it had red eyes. Now that I'm older, I can say it was probably more like a mastiff or a bulky hound dog. I ran to my mom, telling her there was a big black stray dog loose. I wasn't afraid of it, but weirded out since there was no owner around. She looked and didn't see anything. Sure enough, I turned around and the dog was gone. It was flat land and the graveyard was small. It was a big dog and there was nowhere to hide. It just vanished. Years later, I found out my dad had seen a large black ghost dog that attacked him as a kid. And my grandpa on my dad's side saw the same thing and told my dad about how he had shot at it while he was hunting, but the bullets didn't affect the dog that chased him and eventually disappeared. Wow. Is my family cursed by a ghost dog? Why did it seemingly only attack my grandpa and dad, but not me? Our dogs had the same description, but mine wasn't scary. It just stood and watched. Honestly, looking back on it now, it almost felt like a guard dog. And now that's the protector thing we were talking about. Yeah. You know, and it's, again, you wonder, is it the same thing? Is it different things? Because they behave in such different ways. Right. Or maybe the grandpa and his father were just sons of bitches. <laughs> the dog really didn't like him. Well, familial spirits, right? Like spirits that stay with a family over generations. Um, not a new concept, and why not the dog? Yeah. I mean, weird that it does behave differently, but maybe, yeah, they're different types of people. And Yeah, well, that could be. Who knows? Well, the, the idea of shooting at it and has no effect actually reminds me of a story from the book Hunt the Skinwalker. Ooh. Or Hunt for the Skinwalker by um, Colm Kelleher, I think is his name. Okay. And, of course, it's about Skinwalker Ranch. And right. supposedly the family that lived there 
had this enormous dog come up to almost like a wolf come up to them on their property and they shot at it with a large caliber handgun and it did sweet piss all. Wow. Um, so I, now there is of course some conjecture as to how much of the Skinwalker stuff is true and I think we'll hopefully get some um, what's it, clarification when uh, Jeremy Corbell releases his Hunt the Skinwalker documentary in September. Right. But uh, it's it's interesting to, again to just note the parallel. You know, there's this, this phantom animal. Yeah. Guns seem to have no effect whatsoever. And in the middle of, where is that, Arizona? Uh, where, Utah. Or Nevada? Oh, Utah. Utah, okay. Utah yeah. One of those arid, dry places. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we go to the next story, this actually reminds me of uh, the fact that the dog was there and then gone uh, reminds me of, well, my own story. Right. Of, of being of sort of uh, followed by a black dog. And this was, this literally was a lab. It wasn't a huge black dog or anything, but it just was gone. Hmm. And uh, you can hear that on our, the episode we did um, that was uh, in the land of the fairy. The oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fae folk. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, and, and black dog encounters are quite often traced back to fae folk. Yeah, aren't they seen as sort of the doers, messengers kind of thing? Sometimes, or yeah. spies or... Yeah, I, I don't, yeah. I'm not going to dwell on it uh, mm-hmm. because we had... I, 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 after our last fairy episode, I said, we'll never do another. I know. And this sort of sort of circles back to that in a little bit, so yeah. we're not going to dwell on it. No. But, uh, but yeah, that is definitely part of the lore. Uh, but it also reminds me of a story a friend of mine told. And interestingly, it's the same friend who had what he thought was a Sasquatch encounter uh, described on our last show. He was in the town of, I believe, Yale, which is in the Fraser Canyon. Yeah. Uh, Fraser Canyon used to be home to, or sorry, is home to Highway 1, the Trans-Canada Highway. And that used to be the main route to get from the west coast of Canada into the interior of the province. Right. But when the Coquihalla was built, that road fell into disuse. So there are, there's, there's still towns there, but they are struggling. Yeah. And interestingly, the, the stories of black dogs often center around empty stretches of road ah. and sort of empty places. And sure enough, my friend was there with his family in Yale, and I believe they were actually in a graveyard. They no. were looking at, because uh, it was like sort of a cool old uh, old graveyard. They may even have been looking for family members they knew were there. But all of a sudden, from nowhere, there was a black dog, and it just kept them in their sight, wow. as I understand it. Uh, he, I'm sure he'll, he might hear this and tell me the rest of the story, but as I understand it, it was there and then it was gone. But it followed them for a fair distance. That's interesting. And again, just came out of nowhere. Yeah, and then just disappeared again. Almost like it was like guarding the graveyard yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. But uh, So these next stories were taken from the Living Liminally blog, and I will uh, link to that in the show notes. Living what? Liminally. I don't know what it means. Okay. The first time, many years ago, a friend and I were sitting in the doorway of a mutual friend's business in the city, beneath the darkness of the early evening sky. Suddenly, we both became aware of the eerie silence. The sounds of the city had fallen away. The traffic had stopped going past on the street. Everything seemed deserted. As we watched, two huge black dogs came trotting down the sidewalk across the street. No one was with them, but they walked calmly and with a purpose. My friend broke the silence and joked that perhaps they would cross the empty street. And no sooner had the words left his mouth than both dogs changed directions and moved across the street toward us. We immediately fled into the building and closed the door. Peering out the window, we looked out to watch the dogs walk past and saw nothing. Literally, no dogs. Anywhere. Venturing back out, we saw the dogs walking down the sidewalk away from us. Although it was impossible for them to have passed where we were without us seeing them. They disappeared when the road curved, and moments later, the sound of traffic returned. Interesting. Mm-hmm. That, again, that's very much like the one in Ireland. Yeah. Because it, when I saw that dog on the beach, there was no one around. 
And it wasn't for – I kind of had – took a while. And then all of a sudden, it was like there was people again. Crazy. Yeah. The second time I saw Fairyhound happened when I was working as an EMT. My partner and I were on a layover at 5 a.m. on a winter morning in a city by the shore of Long Island Sound. And we had parked in a lot next to a large field fenced off for construction. My partner was reading a book, and I decided to get out and stretch my legs while we waited. Despite the cold weather, I walked over near the chain-link fence that surrounded that field and noticed something white moving on the far side. As I watched in the darkness, the white shape moved steadily towards me. It seemed to be moving quickly across the field, and eventually I realized it was a dog, although its gait seemed odd. I looked past it for any sign of a person out for a morning walk with their pet, but saw no one. The white dog, some sort of hound by its shape, was so white that it almost glowed in the pre-dawn darkness. And as I stood there watching, it comes straight towards me, trying to puzzle out why it was alone in a fence field, and why its movements seemed jerky and off, even though it moved quickly. When it had crossed about two-thirds of the space between us, I finally realized it only had one front leg. Not that it was missing one, but that the front leg was placed in the center of its chest. A wave of fear went over me, and before I could think, I had turned, run, and jumped back into the ambulance. My partner looked up startled and asked me what was wrong, and I told him there was a dog. Looking out, he asked me what dog. Sure enough, when I looked, there was no dog to be seen anywhere, despite the fact that there was nowhere for it to go in the empty field, and no time for it to have gone anywhere. Wow. So really specific that it was white and only had three legs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, you could argue birth defects, things like this. Yeah. But just it disappearing. Because if it's got just three legs, it's not going to go anywhere real no, fast. that's weird. Yeah. I wonder if he was sure it was a dog. Maybe it was some sort of critter. Just something weird. I, I, what? Well, like a it? Bigfoot. Like it's sort of half here, half not. Like a tripod Bigfoot? Sure. Okay. Go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I considered saving that for our episode about emergency services personnel. Right. Because we are slowly collecting stories from paramedics and yep. uh, doctors and police, fire. So, it, it, again, if you uh, if you know someone who's, who's in emergency services and you have a story like this, we'd love to hear from you. I do have one from a cop. Perfect. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll save that for that one. Absolutely. I know Hannah works in, uh, Luke's girlfriend works in emergency services. Right. She sent us a couple. She has. Yeah. yeah. So, we're, awesome. we're getting there and yeah. we would love to hear some more from you folks. We know we have listeners out there in law enforcement. And in the emergency services. So please uh, network around and see what you can find. Yeah. When I was between 10 or 11 years old, my family was going through an extremely rough patch. My parents were breaking up and life really wasn't a happy time for anyone. I remember the last night my parents were together, a terrible fight broke out. Pots were thrown, screams and cries echoed through the house, and what seemed like the longest night of my life at the time had settled in. I walked into the room that my parents were fighting and crying and begging them to stop. They did. And after some cuddles and stuff, we all went to bed. And that that's just being straight for a second. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. And folks, just remember, if you don't don't fight with your spouse in front of your kids. No. And they, the kids know. Yeah. Don't don't do it upstairs. Don't think no. you're being quiet. No. Just take it somewhere else. Yeah. Or have a conversation like goddamn adults. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that 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 got right to my heart. So just yeah. a, a real moment there. The next morning, I remember it was a bright day, sunlight streaming through the window in front of my bunk bed, which was shared by me and my older sister. I woke up alone. I believe my sister was asleep at the time, and she didn't see what I saw. But as my head raised, I looked to my left towards the window, and standing not 30 centimeters from my face was a big black wolf-like dog with glowing red eyes. We stared at each other for a good five seconds or so before I got too scared and shoved my face down into my pillow, wishing for it to leave me alone. 
At the time, it scared the shit out of me. However, the more I look into it, the less scared I become. I relate myself to a dog quite a bit, too, and I used to pretend to be a dog when I was younger. They're my favorite animals. The black dog with red eyes and fiery breath has been listed throughout the world in folklore tales, mythology, and so on. And I sometimes wonder if it's maybe meant to represent not just actual death, but metaphorical death. The night before I saw the dog was the last night my parents were together. Ever since, I've been fascinated by the origin of the sighting. Did the dog appear because one part of my life was ending and another beginning? Or is it something else entirely? I guess I'll never know. And that, that makes sense. Uh, the death card in tarot cards right. doesn't mean death literally. It means change, right? Right. So I've always wondered sense. if that sort of... Because people would say, well, it doesn't mean death, death. And I always thought, well, is that just something you say to make people feel better? <laughs> you know? <laughs> no, because if it was literal death, then there'd be a lot of more dead people. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's. Um, I've never actually had my tarot read. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'd be curious, but it, it's hard to know who can actually do it and who's just blowing smoke up your ass. Well, I have a good friend who does it, and she did mine, and it was weird because... She sort of leaves you to interpret it. Right. Um, so she just sort of says, well, this card represents this. And you're like, oh, yep. Oh, okay. That's about. Interesting. Um, so she's never revealing secretive personal information to you. Right. Um, it's more like, well, this is what this represents. And we did it twice, and the cards kept saying the same things. Oh, really? Yeah. They kept. I kept coming up with the same groupings of cards. It was oh. really weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm. I definitely... I'm more of a believer of it now. Hmm. Well, it's maybe something I'd like to try sometime just to see what the response is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, six death cards. There aren't <laughs> even that many in the deck. <laughs> no, that definitely means you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have another steak. <laughs> <laughs> a steak aren't really. Mind you, I did have an incredible steak when I was in Vancouver. At Highs? Highs. Oh, I took the family there as a special treat. Man. I've oh been there man. twice in my life. Yeah, I've only been once. I paid s- uh, a lot of money. I had a 20 ounce. Bone-in rib steak. Jesus. I mean, a lot of that's the bone. Sure. Um, <laughs> but uh, my God, it was a spiritual experience. They know what they're doing. Oh, And those man. sides? Come on. Sides? Oh, I just got uh, I had a baked potato. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. makes sense for you. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Well, because you're like allergic to everything. Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Does it bring you joy? Does it bring you happiness? I'm allergic to it. <laughs> Chocolate, dairy. Yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. With this pair of stories we've called American Monsters. For more than five years, I've kept this story to myself. I grew up in a small town called Union County, South Carolina. I had the day off due to the snow and was across the street wasting time with my neighbor. A little after midnight, I grew tired and decided to walk back to my house. As I approached the gravel road and began to cross, something long and black came creeping out from underneath the street lamp on the other side directly across from me. I froze instantly, and the second I stopped, it stood up on its hind legs. It was roughly five or six feet tall with long, black, coarse hair Jesus. and fiery reddish-orange eyes. Its body was sickly looking as if it hadn't eaten in months, but the shoulders were broad with big ears that stood straight up on top of its massive head. It was definitely the shape of a dog with wolf-like features, but was all disfigured and oversized. When fear struck me, all my adrenaline kicked in and I raced for my house. The front porch was a good 50 yards or so, and it felt as if it breathed down the back of my neck the whole way. I was surprised I made it and slammed the front door behind me. I peered out the window for hours, never seeing any movement, and it was the scariest I've ever been so far in my life. 
When the sun came up, I went out early before the snow could melt to see if there were any paw prints through the yard behind the street lamp. I found only a few feet that trailed into the woods from where it came, and then they were gone. That was all. Just a few feet. I was sure it had breathed down my neck the whole way through the yard. To this day, I'm still skittish outside after dark, and I wonder what the purpose of the dog's presence was. Mystery unexplained. And this is the second part of American Monsters. My mother and brother both had ghost stories about the huge black dog with glowing red eyes. They were both born in Warren, Arkansas, and I'm the only one born in California. It seems that in both stories, they were out late at night. My mother was still a young woman then, and she was coming back for visiting someone when she thought she saw something standing in the road in front of her. When she moved, it moved. She said it was like a tall horse, but it was a dog with red eyes. It frightened her, and so she got off the road and ran home. My brother, also a young man at the time, had been out partying with friends, if I remember correctly, when he also encountered a huge black dog. It seemed to be laying in the middle of the road, which was like a cross. As my brother approached, it seemed to rise up and grow taller and taller. It was the size of a tall horse, but he was sure it was a dog. It had red eyes, and it stared at him. My brother said the breath was knocked out of him as he stood looking at this thing. And finally, just like my mother, he started running. He jumped over a fence and went home around the back way. It did not follow him any further than the fence. But just like his mother, he never stayed out past midnight down there again. Everyone moved to California by the time he was 10 years old, so I believe he was visiting relatives when this occurred. I thought maybe he just remembered Mama's story. He and I were born 15 years apart, and I can only remember hearing this story maybe two times each. My brother's story stuck with me the longest because there was still fear in his voice when he told it. It was a warning. Interesting. So there's a family connection again. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. No, that is kind of weird. So, yeah. so you pissed off someone and it just stays. <laughs> or or maybe like some families are more psychically sensitive. Right. Maybe they're just, they can see it. And other oh, that, people that, can't. Right? Yeah, that could be. Or maybe the you know these things you know the, you have you read um, The Shining by Stephen King? Of course. Right. So did you, you read the sequel that came out, Doctor Sleep? Yes. It's about okay. So I haven't read that about yet. About the young boy. Yeah, about yes. Danny as, as an old, older yeah. as an older man, and how there's this cult that feed on people who have his gift. Yes. And I wonder if there is some kind of connection with the dogs, if they are drawn to people who have this gift, who have the sensitivity. I believe because that. they have a certain signature. Yeah. That makes sense. And maybe we just interpret it as family curse because that's how we interpret things. But it's actually a genetic thing that runs through families. Yeah, and it's just attracted to it. It doesn't yeah. really give a rat's ass that your granddad hit that gypsy with a car. <laughs> it just, yeah, it's drawn or, to it. Or you're just able to see it. So if you're out with a friend, maybe you could see it. Your friend couldn't. Right. Well, right. that's what I mean. But I think it's also maybe drawn specifically. That's why you see so many people in the same family. Yeah. But, uh, but I guess. Maybe these things are everywhere. That's true, too. And only certain people can see That's a disconcerting thought. I know. Maybe there's one in this room right now. Right now, and you'd never know. Ugh. Well, good luck <laughs> to the people who are in here after us. Suckers. <laughs> All right, we have one last story, and this is a protector story. We've been saving this one uh, because it's from Los Angeles, one of our favorite cities. Yep. And uh, where there's actually, we have a, I guess, I guess we shouldn't be surprised we get a lot of traffic from LA, being that we've done two LA-centric episodes. Yeah, pretty much. But I was surprised that they actually gave a shit. <laughs> I mean, people in Los Angeles are notorious for not caring about, about you know. Anything. The, the world around them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, about their city. I mean, that was one of the arguments that my publisher used when I proposed a book of LA ghost stories. They said, people from LA don't read stuff about LA. Wow. So there's no market there. Wow. And they would know. I mean, they, they yeah, would absolutely no, know. Sure. So I've been surprised that we've had the, the uh, sort of the... Um, uh, reaction we've had to those, the which has been yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. 
I was around 15 years old when this happened to me, so this was many, many years ago. It was during one of the school breaks, from what I recall, so I'd been out at a friend's house all night. And when I say all night, I do mean all night. By the time I started walking home, it was around 4 in the morning or so. It was not a long walk from my friend's house to mine, only about a mile and a half, but I had to cross a semi-busy street in the process. It was a nice evening from what I recall, though rather dark. Some of the city streetlights had been turned off as they do to save electricity. I was walking down the block towards the upcoming major street. The middle-class suburban houses typical to the San Fernando Valley where I lived back then were quiet and dark. There were no cars on the street I was currently walking on, although every once in a while a car would flash by on the street up ahead. About halfway up the block, I heard a rustling sound coming from the yard of one of the houses. I turned to look, and as I expected, it was a dog. As many times as I had walked back and forth to my friend's house, I had seen many of the neighborhood dogs and cats, but never this dog. It was a Rottweiler, and huge. Imagine a Rotty with all the colors and markings, the dock tail and all, but the size of a Great Dane, or maybe a large Mastiff. Big, big, big dog. Much bigger than a normal Rotty should be. I stopped, unsure of how this unknown dog may act, but he trotted right up to me. I slowly held out my hand, he sniffed, and his stump of a tail began to wag. He sat down, and I patted his head, calling him a good doggy, and wondering where his house was, and if he was lost, so on and so forth. He grinned up at me with a good dog grin, and just continued to enjoy getting pet. Finally, I told him I had to get going home, and he should go home too. I've always talked to animals as if they know what I'm saying. It's just something I do and won't ever change it. I do the same thing, <laughs> talking to my cats. Yep. I gave him a final pat on the head and moved to go around him, and he got up and continued walking right by my side, just like a good trained dog would. I continued to pet him randomly and was telling him he should go home since his owners would be worried about him. We approached the major street just as the yellow light was hitting. I stopped to wait, and the dog did too, sitting down. At this point, a car approached. It was swerving slightly. This car, an old 70s-ish car from what I remember, brownish in color or maybe tan. It might have been a concourse or a Nova, but I'm not really sure. As it passed, I could see it filled with occupants and could hear loud music playing from the speakers. Then the car stopped dead in the middle of the road and began to back up. I was watching as it got closer, so something like this is never good to have happen late at night. <laughs> I know. No, especially when there's no one else around. Uh, be, the gas station on the corner was closed. There were a bunch of guys in the car, and they had all started up a ruckus, hooting and hollering, with all the usual BS that drunk guys will yell at a girl. Hey, baby, want to party with us? Dude, look at her. Then I heard, let's get her. And the driver's side door started open. Oh, my God. Yeah. At this point, the dog, who had stayed by my side the entire time, stood up and began growling, barking, and basically throwing a shit fit. The guy who had started getting out of the car paused, looked back in the car, shook his head, and then got right back in. I had knelt down beside the dog, kind of holding him back and kind of just holding on to him for comfort. It was like having my own personal huge living teddy bear to hug, you know? <laughs> the guys in the car took off, and I immediately crossed the street, streetlights be damned. The dog stayed right by me, but this time seemed much more alert, ears forward, looking around. His side was brushing me as he walked. It was very comforting. When we got to my house, I opened the front gate and let him into our, well, kind of like a porch area at that house. He went straight to the door, sniffed around, and then proceeded to curl up right on the doorstep. I again told to go home. I pet him and then went inside. When I went outside later after waking up, the dog was gone. I was hoping he would have stayed as he did not have a collar on or anything else that indicated who his owners might be. I asked my dad later if he had seen the dog when he got up in the morning. My dad used to get up super, super early, so it would have been half an hour after I got home at most that he woke up. He said he had not seen any dog and could not remember ever seeing a dog of that size and description in the neighborhood, ever. Coincidence, maybe, but it just seems very convenient for a dog of that size, with that demeanor, obviously well-behaved, 
to have shown up at that exact moment, half a block and minutes away from when I encountered those jerks in the car. Yeah. I just think what would have happened if that nice dog had not been there? Spirit animal, spirit guardian, physical karmic manifestation of all the animals I had and continue to take in and care for? Who knows? All I know is that it was the right place and the right time for him to show up. I lived in LA in that general neighborhood for 25 years and I never saw that dog again. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. I mean, it, it, it sort of doesn't match the typical black dog descriptions we've seen, but it's definitely of a piece with it. Yeah, absolutely. And thank God. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, that's a horrifying thought. I love the dog guardian thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Well, that's going to do it for our ghost dog stories. They weren't all demon dogs. Demon dogs just sounds cool. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for listening, folks. And when we uh, come back from the break, we'll have some listener mail and a couple announcements. So I was. Welcome back. Thanks to our researcher, Luke Greensmith, for all his hard work on this episode. And it was hard work. He mm-hmm. he put a lot of time in. Uh, he's been wanting to do this one for a while. Actually, Luke's been wanting to do this one since before he was working for us, <laughs> when he was just listening. Uh, he, so he must be so happy it's finally happening. I hope it's up to his standards. I really do. Uh, I was stressing about that. You know, like, oh, I've got to make sure this is good enough because Luke's put in so much work. i got to make sure. And, you know, because I don't have enough stuff to worry no, about. No, so unlike you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very funny. Uh, So now we're going to take a quick trip through the listener mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Uh, Of course, last episode we didn't do listener mail um, because we recorded it early. And since then, we have had a ton of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so thank you to everyone who wrote in. I can't tell you how much we appreciate it. All the stories we got, uh, we're looking, I'm sort of putting things together uh, for a listener story episode coming eventually soon. I'm not sure when. I, I kind of like to... Uh, like the dream episode? Shut up. <laughs> we did just have an email from someone asking about the dream episode. Well, I'm surprised anyone still has any faith in that. That's John. Yeah, he just sent that in. <laughs> I, I don't think... I think he's new to the sh- listening. I don't he think... Must he must be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, no, I'm going to do a listener stories episode. Again, I was thinking every 10 episodes, uh, just so we don't lean too heavily on them. Yeah. But uh, we will see. We'll get those we'll get those going soon. Um, last episode also uh, was the birth of Steve the Cheese Demon. Yes. And we put out a call for art. And, man, folks delivered. Absolutely. Uh, we had some really great stuff from Rin. We had actually a couple different iterations from from Rin. We had uh, Michael sent in the uh, the Brian Damnation. Oh, my God. So funny. <laughs> which, I want that to be a button or a shirt. Yeah, that's that's yeah. pretty great. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to be putting those up. If um, if it hasn't happened by the time this episode drops, it will happen soon. I'm going to do a group post on both the Facebook page and our Instagram. Perfect. Uh, and we also had a really great one from Lydia on Instagram. She mm-hmm. tagged us and wrote, uh, had another cheese, uh, probably Steve the Cheese Demon. Yes. Hannah had one, as, sent us one as well. Nice. So uh, thank you, everyone. And, and it's just really cool that you guys did that and took the time and uh, now che- Steve the Cheese Demon lives. <laughs> Forever. With the black dog driving him around. <laughs> 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 
Is <laughs> they carpool? All right, and um, I again, we we the, the volume of mail is such it's just uh, we can't really go through it, but we are going to make sure to write back to everybody. I think you've done that already. I have, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much we love having you guys out there, and we really appreciate everyone just taking the time to do it. Oh yeah, it takes effort and a sense of will to do it. And sure. So we appreciate you no, with, sending that our way. That's fantastic. Uh, moving on, we um, the Patreon is coming along. We're uh, we're sort of getting the tiers in place now. Yeah, I think there's going to be a one, five, and ten dollar month slots. Yeah, uh, what those will entail. Um, the one and five are done. Ten is still being worked on. We're hoping to have that up and running by August, mm-hmm. and I think we'll officially announce it. Fingers crossed on the next episode. Ooh, I know. Exciting. Is uh, it's a lot more work than uh, it is than I was expecting. Yeah, you know, because I, I think it requires a little bit of envisioning the future, which I've never been good at. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can set goals. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I know. Right? Yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> Literally, the only goal I could think of off the top of my head was, well, at 200 bucks a month, our bills are paid. Yeah, <laughs> so that, exactly. That, I'm quite happy for that. But uh, I guess I need to think a little bit bigger. Maybe. Weird. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys merch, uh, you can find our Redbubble store via the Shop Now link on our Facebook page. That's, of course, facebook.com slash ghoststoryguys. Or you can also shop at the Threadless store. That's ghoststoryguys.threadless.com. Uh, we just did a Redbubble order for Luke, and I think everything came through fairly well. Mm-hmm. So we've been satisfied with their quality, and I think Redbubble is the way we're going to go from here on out because it's just so much easier. They charge yeah. you in your local currency instead of strictly in U.S. dollars. Yeah. Shipping is cheaper. Uh, and we make a little bit less, but that's fine. We're not trying to get rich off T-shirts. Anyway. No, we're just trying to get the stuff to you, really. Yeah, that's it. So uh, we also have signed books for sale and pins. So if you want to pick those up, you can send us an email, uh, ghoststoryguys at gmail.com, and we can send you, we'll ship that out to you, and we can charge you via Square. Right. So we'll, that makes that a little bit easier. If you have any stories you want to share, we would love to hear from you. Email us again at ghoststoryguys at gmail.com or find us via the Facebook page. We'd love to hear your experiences. Again, we'll share them on a listener stories episode. We're collecting for the next one now. And uh, what we've really found is it's kind of great. Some people will email us with these stories and they'll say that after hearing other people's experiences on our show, they felt a little less alone. Yes. Because they realize other people are having these experiences too. Absolutely. And that's great. Yeah. You know, if, if that's all we do... Uh, if, if us being a, cu- a j- couple of jackasses in a room produces some kind of comfort for someone, then I, I think that's a freaking miracle. That's a freaking miracle. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So keep them coming. We, we love reading them. And a shout out to my friend Evan, who's been amazing at promoting us on Facebook oh, and, yes, and social absolutely. media. I want to say thank you for that. And I'm glad he's enjoying the show now. Yes. And he bought a copy of my book. He did. So he's a true hero. That's yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, if you also wanted an, an unsigned copy of my book, which, which is, is probably preferable, well, yeah, it, it doesn't dilute the value. <laughs> um, you can find that, of course, on Amazon and all those places. Uh, Ian's book, my book, of course, is a strange little place: the hauntings and unexplained events of one small town. Ian's book, Victoria Most Haunted, pardon me, Victoria's Most Haunted, is available also everywhere fine books are sold. Um, and also, we have one more market date left by the time this airs. We'll yes. have done our market date in July, but we have one more in August. August thirtieth. And we will be there with Ghost Story Lady, Barbara Smith, yep. and selling books. And mostly pins, eating mini donuts. Mostly. Yeah, you'll know, you know, be eating mini donuts. Yeah. I'm, I'm angling for the burgers. <laughs> but uh, we'll be there. Come out, say hi. And uh, we're actually recording this just before we go out and do the um, July market appearance. So we, yeah. can't, we don't know how that went, but we'll talk about that on the next episode. Uh, I'm going to say it's great. 
Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> I missed it last time, so I'm kind of curious to see what it's like. It's fine. I'm, it I'm, goes really quickly. It's fine, he says. Yeah. That's encouraging. No, it's fun. Oh, fun. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you said it's fine. No, it's fine. Barbara and I made an agreement that it would be successful if all that happened was we got to spend three hours together talking. Oh, fair enough. That If that happened, then it was a success. And we actually sold some books, so cool. yay, bonus. Right. Well, maybe we'll move some pins. <laughs> there you go. I'd like that money back. <laughs> If you want to hear more of my voice, you can find me on Lard to the Truth, my weekly music show on Stoke FM. That's uh, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Pacific on 92.5 Stoke FM and via the web at stokefm.com. They have a fairly small broadcast range, so uh, you're going to have to listen to that via the internet. <laughs> but we go for usually, uh, the shows have grown to two hours now, and uh, the show is recorded, but I'm always, during the show, I respond to everyone on Twitter, and we have a great crew of people who listen. We've got, I mean, Jim, of course, there's mm. Teresa, Rin, the cat. Uh, Lori, and uh, just a whole group of folks who make that make that fun. Uh, also, shout out to Riot at the Dojo, who gave us uh, a shout out on Twitter, uh, or sorry, on Instagram. Uh, I played some of their stuff on my last show, and they've been uh, very supportive of us. So that's really cool. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have ghost story or ghost walks you're still doing? Still doing two or three times a week. Right. So if you want, if you're in Victoria, you want to go on a ghost walk with Ian, send us an email. He'll let you know what his schedule is like. Yeah. And we'll set that up and hopefully make that happen. Absolutely. And uh, if you want to, you know, if you want for some reason to meet up with me too, we can make that happen. I don't know why you would, but it's possible. It's not, it's, yeah, within the realm of possibility. What did Luke say about him having a friend meet us from England? He said you can lure them out with food. I think that was it. Yeah, lure them out with food and we're basically raccoons. Yeah, yeah, they, we're yes. skittish, but we're easily lured out with food. Yes, like yeah. raccoons. Like yeah. raccoons. Yeah, that sounds I about know right. That's true. Little trash pandas. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, little might be might be. Uh, okay, big trash stretching. pandas. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Enormous, terrifying trash pandas. <laughs> More like full sized pandas. Yes. Yeah. Actually, uh, there is an artist named Judge Bitch, <laughs> a synthwave artist who just released a single called Trash Pandas. <gasps> It's pretty good. I need to hear it. I will play it after the show. Excellent. Thank All right. You. Um, is there anything else we need to promote? No? All right. We're good. I guess that's going to do it. We'll be back in two weeks with another show, and mm-hmm. until then, into the darkness we go. Are any of them named Blackie? I don't... Uh, no? That's what the black dog next door is named. They're get out. Saying. No, it's, it was black. I believe you. I'm cutting that. <laughs> Jesus. What? If I stop saying large it's black, will you stop laughing? I will stop laughing. <laughs> Do you, your energy's a little low. Do you need some air? No, I'm okay. I'm just warm. Yes, I know. That's why I was wondering if you need some air. That's not going to help. When the bus stopped in front of me... Fuck. You should sneeze really loudly. Oh, good job. Mm. I should kick you in the penis. Okay, well, if you insist. That's a weird, <laughs> weird request. But No, uh, I'm good. No, I'm nope, sorry. I'm not into that. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm hungry for hot dogs. Oh! <laughs> yeah, I could go for a hot dog, too. <laughs> Are we quite done? Yeah. Okay. God. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm sorry. I felt and heard a hot breath on my neck like a dog. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> All right. I'm all out of love. I'm so lost without you. <laughs> oh my god. We are we we got we got it under control I'm now. I'm not gonna even look at you. Okay. Just go. And uh I'm just now I'm imagining the composer Beethoven as just the same. focus. Okay, thank you. <laughs> So I was thinking another Patreon thing too might be maybe mat- like material that we don't not obviously everything obviously no 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 no, no. <laughs> carefully curated material. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as we know our roles. Yeah, well, that's that's it, right? That's what makes a good relationship. <laughs> yes, right. The, Which the racehorse and the little goat? Because <laughs> you can't put two racehorses in the same stall. So am I the goat in this analogy? That I don't like that shrug. Whatever, whatever. I works. don't like that shrug at all. Whatever works. You, you just can't put two racehorses in the same stall. They'll kick the shit out of each other. So you have to give the racehorse a companion, like a little goat or a donkey or something. But no. Why not? Babe, I'm working with my band. But yeah, <laughs> babe, it's my art. <laughs> babe, babe, <laughs> you never come to our gigs, babe. <laughs> And I won't, Bradley. We have three children at home. <laughs> oh, you keep bringing that up, <laughs> babe. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> um, her or not you? <laughs> Just so we're clear. Thanks for the clarification. Yeah. You wish, Buster. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Better not regroup my kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, two more to get the toaster oven. <laughs> It's going to be hilarious. It is going to be. When, well, we do the, when we do the behind the music special in 30 years. <laughs> the whole time, Brennan was. Oh, this is all going to get used at the trial. Yeah, I know. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109.